You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Well, we're starting a new series today and uh, I haven't preached for two and a half months, so I think I've forgotten how to preach. So you're gonna have to help me, okay? I said you're gonna have to help me, okay? This is not a monologue, this is a conversation we're having with each other. And uh, every time you cheer and clap the Word of God, it just helps preachers to preach better. Did you know that? You know, if, uh, if we didn't want feedback, we'd be lecturing. We're not lecturing. And nor on a Sunday, nor on a Sunday do we do a talk. We don't talk. What we do on a Sunday is we preach. It's actually a Bible word. It's the word kerugma, and it means a rushing forth. Okay, so a talk, this is a talk. We're not talking, we are, we are preaching, okay? And we're doing this together. And we're starting a new series called Victorious and uh, in honour of Emma from last night. But also because, you know, I really feel in my spirit that this is just a great launch pad for us in this season on the lead up to Christmas. I mean, can you believe it's almost 2022? I'm still trying to recover from 2020, Hello? And it's almost 2022. I don't know what's happened in the last three years, but all of us, they've gone, haven't they? And uh, the Bible's pretty clear. We've got to make the most of every opportunity. Okay, let me read to you two verses that Jesus talks about. He says in John 15, 19, says, If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. John 17 verse 16 says this, they, meaning you, are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. It's from these two verses in the Bible that we get this whole idea that you are in the world, but not of the world. Your feet, your body is in Manchester, is in Chester, is in Sheffield, in Cardiff, wherever you are, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. Now listen, if you have uh, had children, you've ever been in a car with young children, you'll be familiar with a phrase children will often say on a long journey. And the phrase that they repeat all too often almost to the point where you don't wanna be a parent or have that child in the car anymore, is you want, they keep saying, are we there? Come on, are we there? Are we there yet? Because kids are impatient. They don't wanna be where they are, they wanna be where they wanna be. Blackpool Pleasure Beach, Mallorca, south of Spain, wherever it may, where it may be, are we there yet? My kids used to say that, but thank God for the invention when my kids were, were little of DVD players. Oh, do you remember DVDs? Remember DVD players? Anybody still got a DVD player? Anybody still got DVDs? Well, when the DVD player came out, they came out with portable ones. And honestly, one of the things that saved our marriage, saved my children from me killing them, was, was these portable ones that you could hang on the back of the headrests and the kids would watch it. And then at the end of a movie, they would say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And it's almost like we think it's something that it's just kids only. 
But I think it's actually in our DNA. I think even the older we get as adults, we still may not say those words, but we live with a mentality of, are we there yet? You see, we are human beings, but we're not just meant to be, we're also on a journey of becoming. And every single one of us in this auditorium and watching online in our campuses right now, we are all in between. We're in between the person that we were and the people we are becoming. All of you are in between the dream that was conceived in you for your life and the fulfilment of that dream. We're in the middle of a tree in a dream, the in-between, the sowing and the believing and the giving for our new cathedral. And thank God for the new planning permissions given just two months ago on that. We're in between the dream, the vision, and that opening weekend where we're gonna have five nights of opening to get everybody through. We're in between, we're all in between. We're all in between. The moment Jesus discovered us and we got saved, New birth in Christ Jesus, baptism in water, that wowness, the newness of Christ, we're in between that and the people that we are journeying to become in Christ. In theology, this is called a tension. It's the in-between, or if you like, the now, the not yet. The now in theology is justification. Justification, you can remember it this way, justified, never done it. Saved from my sin, saved from the penalty of sin. Justified is a moment, but we are in between the moment of justification and also the tension of sanctification, becoming more like Christ. And you know you're more like Christ when you are perfect. And how many of you know we're all in between justification and perfection, sanctification in Christ Jesus. And this tension really finds its place in these two ideas, the fact that we are in the world, but not of the world. We are in between. We are in between the heart of God and the ultimate presence of God in heaven. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that Jesus will come again. When you hear wars and rumours of wars, when you hear about earthquakes, and all the crazy things that are happening in society, the Bible says, get ready. Jesus is about to come back. And so all of us are in between the heart of God and the presence of God in heaven with a new heaven and new earth. The Bible says that in that ultimate destination, we will reign with God over a new heaven and new earth. How crazy is that? We're in between. We're in between these two ideas, the people we were and the people we are becoming. Now, it's because of that tension that I can 101% declare to you that you as Christians right now are victorious. One of you believes it in this room. You are victorious. The world says, no, you're not. The world says, you're a victim. 
The world says, look at your upbringing, look at your past, look at the challenges, look at the difficulties. You are a victim. And in today's society, friends, the greater the victimhood, almost as though the greater voice you are given. And you see it on social media. You see it played out in the news. You see people uh, speaking about the victim situations they've been in. And they are all true and all valid in the world. But because you are not just in, but you are of, that means whatever you've walked through, whatever the challenge, whatever the moment, whatever you're stepping, whatever the season, you can all declare, we can declare together, I am victorious. Come on, say it with me. I am victorious. Now it doesn't make sense. People say, well, Glenn, you're just hyping up the church. No, I'm not, we're gonna prove it. And I'm gonna take you back to a message in 1 Thessalonians 5. And in reading this verse, I want you to see the importance of this journey that you are about to see played out on stage to help you to understand this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, it says this. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the reality is this, the Bible's teaching us that you and I, we are a tripartite people. There's three parts to you, three parts to me. There is your, your body, there is your soul, and there is your spirit. And this is true right now. This is true of me, body, soul, and spirit. And here's the journey I want you to see within this. The Bible says, may your whole body be kept blameless. The Bible word body is a Greek word and it's the Greek word soma, S-O-M-A, soma. And it means this image. This part of you is consumed with image. Hairstyles like this don't just happen. I know those of you over a certain age, you think, wow, Andy could have done with doing his hair today. But hair like this didn't just happen because he got out of bed. This ain't bed hair, friends. This has taken hours of practice. In fact, this morning, he was kind of, you know, he, he washed his hair, he conditioned his hair. His wife's a hairdresser. He has special shampoos and he has special conditioners. And then he blow dries his hair. He looks in the mirror, it's not quite right. He showered five times this morning to get his hair just like that. Doesn't use gel, oh, that's too common. Puts on a pomade on his hair finishes with just a, a little light dusting of, of hair things to help the thinning patches. And mm, oh, it smells so beautiful because this part of you is consumed with image. Preacher sneakers, nice stylized jeans, T-shirts, jackets by Nike. This takes hours. This part of you is consumed with image. Now, image is not necessarily a bad thing. Genesis chapter three says we were created in the image 
of God. But the problem is this, is when our image management is more important than the authenticity of living. And the challenge that we find, friends, is this, is that when it comes to the church and it comes to Christian living, this guy is focused on making sure he puts out the right image. So he's always the right person in the right place at the right time. He's serving on every team. He, he, he's on social media letting you know when he's fasting. He always shows you a picture of his Bible to let you know that he's reading the Bible in the morning. He, 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 he's just taking out highlights, he's got scribbles and highlights and notes and you look and go, wow. And he sees all the likes going up and meanwhile, he's like, hey, hey I'm doing it right. This guy over here, he practices worship poses. got a hall length mirror at the top of the stairs. He's a, he's a worshipper. He's, he's kind of, he's looking right angles. I, I once caught a fish this big. It's carrying a really heavy TV. Uh, fly like an eagle. He's practised these poses. He, he puts on some audacious worship or Hillsong or, or elevation music in the background. He's practising his, his Holy Spirit two-step. He, he, he's looking cool. But The lights are on, but nobody's home. I've been a pastor for 25, 26 years. I've been a preacher for 35 years. And I've met enough people like this to know that there are times when I talk to people like this, the lights are on, but something's missing. There's a disconnection. Like this morning in our house, there was a disconnection between my wife and I. Sorry, baby. I woke up early, I went downstairs, I got my coffee, drank my sparkling water and I sat with my Bible and I'm just really looking through my Bible and got my notes and just making sure I know my notes, ready to share with you all today. And my wife woke up a little bit later, comes downstairs and sits opposite me to talk to me and she's talking to me, she's looking at me, but I'm looking at my Bible and she's looking at me and she's asking questions and she knows that there is a disconnection. Imagine this scenario with me. It's, it's the finals of, of Euro 20, what's the next one? 2024. World Cup 2022. England are in the final against our arch enemy. Who is it? Germany. Sorry, Germany. And it's in the final moments. It's 1-1 it's one, one or 2-2. Two, two. And in the final moments of the game, Phil Foden passes the ball across. It goes to, uh, uh, to Sterling. I'm just gonna list all the City players. To, uh, across, uh, back to John Stones, who all the way from the, from the other half, he kicks a ball. And as the ball is flying through the air, uh, go with me on this story. Uh, uh, fellas, your wife who you love, your girlfriend, she comes and she's talking to you. While the ball is soaring through the air. Honey, you know that issue we were talking about, that really big problem. And she's there, the apple of your eye, and you're like, yeah. There's a disconnection going on. The lights are on, nobody's home. And that's what happens, friends, if your Christian life is all image-based. You can be in the right place and do the right things, but you are totally and wholly in the world. And the world tells you what you should do because the next part of you is this guy here, soul. 
The Bible word in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 for soul is a Greek word called psyche. From it, we get the whole idea of mind, will, and emotions. Three things, mind, will, and emotions, it's your soul. Now, in the Bible, the soul and the heart are interchangeable terms. So when you read about the heart, you're reading about the soul. When you're reading about the soul, you're reading about the heart, meaning three things, mind, will, and emotions. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, above all else, the most important thing that you can do is guard your heart, your mind, meaning your soul, your will, and emotions. Above all else, most important thing is guard your heart. Guard your mind, your will, your emotions. Guard what you think about. Above all else in a social media generation, guard what you think about. Because your life will lead you towards your most dominant thought. The thing you think about the most, your life will become. Out of the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. As a man and a woman thinks in their heart, so they are. And so if over here I'm a victim, over here I'm persecuted, over here I'm weak, over here I'm unable, over here everything's against me, as you think in your heart, so you will be. You are in every way, shape and form a victim to life circumstances. The Bible says above all else, guard your heart, guard what you think about, guard your mind, but also guard your will. Your will is your rights. Your will is what you believe you're entitled to. Do you know the Bible says that before we became Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, we were slaves to sin. In other words, we couldn't help but sin. To be enslaved to sin is literally this whole idea that you are chained to sin and everywhere you go in life, sin is with you. Sin is your master. Sin has control over you, the Bible says. And that's it. But the moment you became Christians, the moment you got saved, the Bible says that what Jesus Christ did, having taken the keys to death and hell, having victory over everything, is He cuts the chains to sin. And the Bible's now clear that you are now a slave to Christ. Now the word slave brings across the wrong connotations for us probably. But really what the Bible is saying is we're now walking in partnership with Christ. So what, what are you really entitled to? I'll tell you what we're entitled to. A Christless eternity, a life without divine purpose and hope and life and the Holy Spirit changing us from inside out. That's what we're entitled to. But because of God's great love, Jesus Christ died to make us come alive to Him. And so here, over here in the world, a slave to sin, that's my right. Above all else, the Bible's really clear. You need to guard your mind and guard your will and guard your emotions. Now, let me just say this. You don't need the devil to lie to you. The devil's lying to me. No, he's not. Your emotions are. 
Have you noticed? If you live your life based on emotions, some days you wanna get up and go to work and other days I'm having a duvet day. There are some times when you feel like coming to church and other times you're thinking, nah, gonna stay home and watch Coronation Street Omnibus because I haven't got a life. Our emotions lie. You know, when it comes to the boyfriend-girlfriend scenarios or relationships, have you noticed emotions lie? I know I've told you this story, but many years ago when I was in primary school in year three or four, I fell in love. My first love, my first love was not Sophia. My first love was not Jesus Christ. My first love was Miss Scarlet. She was a foxy babe. She was my year four teacher. And I prayed every night for a month, an emotional prayer. Jesus, if you love me, help Miss Scarlet marry me. And I'm so glad that God said, no, you dummy. Because if He would have said yes, right now I'd be married to an 85-year-old lady. You understand, our emotions lie above all else. Guard your mind, guard your will, guard your emotions. The Bible says something amazing in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, But the natural man and woman, the natural man and woman, the word natural is the word psuchikos and it means soulish. The soulish person, man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for it is foolishness to him, nor can he know them or God, because God is spiritually discerned. What's it saying? And if we can keep that verse up for a moment, the Bible's saying this, you don't get to know God through the body. You don't get to know God through the mind, the will and the emotions. The way you know God is through your spirit. You see, when you were born, you were born body. And hopefully somebody said, what a cute baby. Ooh, cool, lovely. And you were born mind, will and emotions. A newborn baby has mind, will and emotions. They'll tell you when they're hungry, when they've got wind in their belly, when they're tired, when they're not tired, they're gonna tell you, you were born this. But the Bible says that when you were born, your spirit was dead. This is Willow. Your spirit was dead. But then there came a moment. You, you were talking to a friend at school, at college, university. You, you were talking to a friend uh, on a bus, a train. Uh, you were talking to a work colleague and the work colleague started to tell you a little bit about Jesus. Maybe you noticed that they were going somewhere on a Sunday. You're like, where do you go every Sunday? And they said, we're going to church. And you're like, church? What do you go to church for? Church is just rules and regulations. And your friend over a process of time started to tell you a little bit about the love of Jesus Christ. And there came a moment on the journey when the Bible says, Jesus found you. You didn't find Him, He wasn't lost. You were a slave to sin. And over here, now Jesus found you and He put saving faith in you. And now you have come alive and you have come alive to God. You're alive to God. And this is where the problem starts. Because this one in your life, this is new. This is exciting. This is brand new. Here we have the baby Christian you. 
And these two over here, they say, hey, because these are the seniors. And this is the first year in school. And here's the bullies. And they're saying, welcome to the school of life. We will tell you what you should look like. We will tell you what you should think and feel. Because this is full of news and narrative, thousands of years of conversation in the university fields, in schools across the place. In the secular side of society, all the time this is happening. The narrative, the bullies are getting stronger and stronger. Oh, welcome. We'll tell you what to think and feel. And so what we have over here is we have this guy over here, the body part starts to say, hey, when it comes to salvation, I'm gonna have to work harder. The more I go to church, the more I pray, the more I fast, the more I read my Bible, the more that I do, I do, I do, I will be saved. And this person, he just wants to feel saved. He cries at Lassie on TV. He watches those little Andrex dogs and he's weeping, gnashing of teeth. He's on his hands and knees, that cute little puppy. Whenever, whenever the Coca-Cola truck comes for the first time in October and you know Christmas is on the way, he's weeping, he's so excited and he wants to feel saved. But this one over here, she read the book. The book of books written by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, there's a fight going on in all our lives all the time. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter seven, is it? In Romans seven, he says, I know what I wanna do, but every time I try to do the things that I want to do, I end up doing the things I don't wanna do. The things I don't wanna do, these are the things I keep on doing. I don't wanna do it, but I end up not doing it because I don't wanna do those things, but I wanna do these things. And he says, ah, oh, who will help me? He says, what a wretched person I am. Who will rescue me? And he says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant procession. You see, I want you to see, I want you to see that the devil hates it when you read the book. The devil doesn't want you to read this. The devil wants you to scroll through TikTok and Instagram and waste hours just feeding, feeding your soul with a false narrative of life in the world. He hates it when the church reads the book. He hates it when you wake up in the morning and maybe you're running late, but you can still get five minutes to read something. And the reason he hates it when you and I read the book is because of what Hebrews chapter four says that the Word of God is living, it's active. It's a book that when you read it, it reads you. It's the living Word. It's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing between soul and spirit. And so while this guy is trying to earn his salvation and this one in the middle is starting trying to feel it, every week in church, he's putting his hand up to get saved. Because during the week he messed up. I gotta feel it, I gotta feel it, I gotta feel it. This little one, she knows it. 
She may not be old and she may not have been around a long time, but she read the book of books and the book of books says that we are more than conquerors in Christ through Jesus Christ. It's the work of Jesus Christ. And next week in the series, we're gonna talk about the power of the cross. You don't wanna miss next week, the power of the cross. When it comes to worship, this guy over here, he, he, says, he says, I'm only gonna worship if I like the song. Don't like audacious songs, I only sing battle songs. This one only worships when he feels like worshipping. Had an argument in the car on his, with his wife on the way to church today, I don't feel like worshipping. Been a tough week, don't feel like worshipping. At a challenging time in business, I don't feel like worshipping. And so some Sundays, he'll be close to the front. He'll arrive early, hands lifted. He's gonna clap and dance. Other weeks, you're gonna see him in church like this. Because emotion, mind, will, emotions is driving everything. But this one over here, read the book. John chapter four, my worshippers will worship me in spirit and in truth. Over here, it's like, I'm a victim. Over here, I'm victorious. Over here, I'm a failure. Over here, Christ is more than enough and He bringing me through to the day of victory in Jesus' Name. Over here, we live with the misery and the challenge of life and the seasons but over here, this little one, she may be new, she may be little, but she walked tall and she walked strong because she learnt the lesson. She read the book. And here's what we're gonna learn next week. Triumph is not carried on your back. Triumph was carried on the back of Jesus Christ as He carried the cross up Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem and they hung Him on the cross. Friends, I want you to know today, you are already victorious. Stand to your feet all across this place. Come on, everybody in Chester, in North, in South, Cardiff, in Sheffield, you are victorious. In the world, I'm in pain. but of another world, the spiritual dimension. And friends, we have a choice today. Are we gonna feed the body and the soul and allow that to be fed by the narratives and false narratives and confusion and conflicting reports coming out of media? Or are we gonna take the book? I'm in, but I'm not of. I'm in Manchester, but I'm not of Manchester. I'm in Cardiff, but I'm not in of Cardiff. I'm in Wales, but I don't think like a Welshman. I think like a kingdom man. Because the Bible says, it is not by might and it is not by power, but it is only friends through the Spirit of God in Jesus' Name. So come on, all across this place, let's give Him a shout of praise, come on. Come on, let's give Him a shout of praise. Come on, come on, come on. A shout of praise, a shout of praise. Yeah. Now listen, I learned this, right? I learned this after my operations on my eye. There, there were moments, family had gone out. And I had my worship playlist on, a selection of a whole heap of worship songs from all over the world. Same, same songs. And there were times 
when in worship, I didn't wanna do it because over here, there was pain. And here, I was full of unanswered questions. And I remember one particular morning, I woke up at 4 a.m. and I could not sleep because of what was taking place in my body, what the doctors were saying may happen, etc. And I had about 20 minutes to 30 minutes, and this happened on a few occasions, friends, not just once, where my mind started to spiral downwards. If the operation doesn't work, I have to remove my eye. What happens if the condition in this eye, I get it in the other eye and I can no longer read my Bible and I can no longer do life the way I'm used to doing life. What happens, what happens, what happens? And I've reached a moment lying in bed next to my wife where literally I had to say to myself, get a grip. I don't know if we can say that these days, but I said it to myself. Glenn, you're more than this in the world. And then I read Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Paul and Silas are in the inner cell, not the outer cell with the sea breeze, the inner cell. Nobody could pass olives and Mediterranean wine to them. They were in the inner cell, naked in stocks and chains. And everything that had transpired against them was not their fault. Jesus says, you're in the world, not of the world. He goes on actually in John chapter 15. He says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Why? Because while everybody else is shouting a false narrative, because they're of, in, you're of another world, another dimension. And over here in John, uh, Acts 16, 25, at about midnight, at about midnight, for me, it wasn't midnight, it was 4 a.m. But it was midnight in my body and it was midnight in my mind, will and emotions at about midnight. Glenn, you have a choice. Will you live in or will you become the man of God that I've called you to? At about midnight, I woke up, got my playlist, 4 a.m in Manchester and I walked up and down the hallway, the lounge room and I'm singing. You heal me, restore me, you redeem me, you fill me, you bring me something else as well. And I'm declaring it and I'm declaring it. You can go with me if you want, Paul. And, and, I, and I'm declaring it because I'm in the inner cell and it's about midnight and these things are ganging up on me. They are bullying me. Stand up, Paul, stand up on me. Uh, come and sit here. They're, they're, they're ganging up and they're making me feel bad. God doesn't love you. If God loved you, Glenn, you wouldn't have this condition in your eye. Hey, Glenn, we thought you were the man of vision. That's what you preached all over the world. Vision, how is it in the year of 2020, you get an eye condition? I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh. Woe is me. But at about midnight. It's not by might, it's not by power. But right now, friends, we are gonna shake off the shackles of victimhood. We're gonna shake off the shackles of pain. We're gonna shake off the shackles of our circumstances because this is not it. 
this is not where God's called us to be. He's called us to live as men and women of God. So here's what we're gonna do in all locations. I'm gonna open the altar really quickly. We have just a few moments. And if you're here saying, I gotta shake off some stuff. I gotta shake off some victim thinking. I'm gonna, I need to shake off some hurt. I'm gonna shake off that unforgiveness. I'm gonna shake off that pain. And it's stuff I just need to shake off. I'm gonna shake off the legacy, the negative legacy of my parents. I'm gonna shake off the negative legacy of my upbringing. And I refuse anymore to allow being in the world dictate the person that I am. I choose to be the man of God and the woman of God. I have victory through Jesus Christ. There's some more people need to respond to this. I was talking to a friend just last week. And in talking to my friend last week, he, he had, a, had a challenge where that which he feared all his life, it feels like was about to come true. And he, even without realising it, he lived with this fear 24-7 to the moment when the fear really began to take root and give birth to something. And on the phone, I said to him, listen, mate, I'm praying with you that that which you fear will not come to pass. Late last night, he sent me a text and said, hey, listen, the thing that I was fearing was happening is actually not happening. And God has done something new. God's done something, a miracle. And I wanna say this, right? Same true here. That which you fear, you need not fear anymore. And I don't know what that is. Some of you carrying the legacy of certain things that I want you to shake off in this moment. We're gonna get rid of it once and for all. I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna leave stage. Come on, across the altar, lift your hands to heaven. If you're standing in the crowd, lift out your hands towards these people at the altar. Right now, you're watching online in our campuses. You can respond in this moment as well. Father, we declare that from this moment, a new day with this great revelation of Scripture, where Your Word says, I pray that You would remain, become blameless in body, soul and spirit. I pray that from this moment, as we choose no longer to listen to the false negatives of what it means to be in the world. Thank You, God, that right now in this room, in this auditorium and watching online, thank You for the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus. For some of you, God's taken you on a journey from this moment where you're having to learn, you're gonna have to learn new habits. You're gonna go home this afternoon and in your mind begin to reflect on this message. And once again, you're gonna find the bullies of the body and soul ganging up on your spirit, but it's time for the spirit man, the spirit woman to begin to determine to the body and the soul this is how we're gonna think. This is how we're gonna feel. This is how we're gonna process our childhood. This is how we're gonna process our season. This is how we're gonna process our background because I am a man of God. I am a woman of God and not based on what I have done, simply through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Father, I pray all across this auditorium right now as we choose to step from in to truly becoming of. Help us by Your Holy Spirit, 
I pray that as You remind us, as You remind our thinking this week and You remind our feelings this week and You remind our image this week, help us, I pray, to continue to feed the Spirit man within us. In Jesus' Name, Amen, Amen, Amen. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. 